Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile Life, the podcast. This is episode 143 called Raquel. Today's episode is sponsored by Pre-Mama Wellness. Pre-Mama creates doctor back supplements that support every stage of your maternity wellness journey. Pre-Mama Fertility Support for Her is the number one selling over-the-counter fertility supplement for women trying to conceive. All Pre-Mama supplements are gluten-free, non-GMO, vegan or vegetarian with no additives and no synthetic flavors. Discover why moms and dads-to-be trust Pre-Mama Wellness for their nutritional support from preconception to postpartum by visiting premamawellness.com. You can get your first month supply free when you subscribe to any Pre-Mama product for a limited time. Check it out at premamawellness.com. This episode is brought to you by Ovofolic from Elon Healthcare, an inositol combination that helps manage PCOS. Infertile AF listeners get 20% off using the code ALLISON20 at checkout. A-L-I-S-O-N-20 at checkout. And here's a few things I want you guys to know about Ovofolic. It's a dietary supplement for female reproductive health and managing PCOS symptoms. It helps regulate the menstrual cycle, improve ovulation, improve mood and sleep, balance hormones, and overcome insulin resistance in women with PCOS. It has no taste or smell, no preservatives, and no additives. And the individual pouches guarantee equivalent dosing and optimum freshness. And as a local small business, Elon Healthcare is women-owned and led. Plus, there's a personal touch every time. Dr. Perry responds to all customer emails herself and oversees every aspect of manufacturing. So go to elonhealthcare.ca, that's E-L-A-N, healthcare.ca, and check out Uvofolic to get 20% off and enter the code ALISON20, A-L-I-S-O-N-20, at checkout. This episode is supported by Receptiva DX. The Receptiva DX test can help couples struggling with unexplained infertility. Getting pregnant isn't easy, as so many of you know. Many couples struggle with infertility, and unexplained infertility can be particularly frustrating. Women facing unsuccessful IVF may not know that endometriosis is the underlying cause, a disease that can impact the success rates of IVF treatments and often has no symptoms. The Receptiva DX test can help identify endometriosis before an embryo transfer, and it has the potential to save women the stress, anxiety, and cost of multiple failed IVF attempts. The good news is multiple studies show treatment of women with a positive Receptiva DX test improves live birth outcomes by over 50%. Receptiva DX can detect all stages of endometriosis and help women make better decisions in planning for pregnancy. You can learn more at ReceptivaDX.com or download their app, which is also called Receptiva DX. Today's episode is sponsored by Prove, a women's health company dedicated to providing information and solutions on key fertility hormones so you can reach your goals faster. Prove founder Amy Beckley, PhD, invented the first and only FDA-cleared PDG test after her own battle with infertility. When she learned her seven miscarriages and two rounds of IVF could have been prevented by an inexpensive progesterone supplement, she set out to help women everywhere better understand their ovulation quality from home. Prove's Predict and Confirm Kit allows women to predict ovulation and confirm high-quality ovulation to help them get pregnant faster. Use Prove's LH test to identify your two most fertile days and know exactly when to try. 
Then, use Prove's FDA-cleared PDG test to confirm high-quality ovulation, ensuring ovulation occurred, and PDG levels remained elevated throughout the implantation window to allow for the best possible chance at conception. And now, the free Prove Insight app takes your hormone knowledge one step further by providing numeric hormone levels, info about what they mean, and personalized action plans to help you reach your fertility goals faster. Prove also offers an entire suite of at-home hormone tests and hormone-supporting products to empower you with the right information on your journey. You guys know I love female-founded companies and products that can truly benefit those battling infertility, so definitely check out Prove. The best part is they're giving Infertile AF listeners a special discount code. So go to provetest.com, that's P-R-O-O-V-T-E-S-T.com, enter the code ALLY25, and you'll get 25% off your first order of a predict and confirm kit, confirm PDG tests, balancing oil, and luteal love. Thanks, Prove. All right, everybody. I'm so excited for you to hear my conversation with whip smart, super sweet, Raquel Horn, who is an entrepreneur. She's an infertility advocate. She's an author. She's got so many cool, creative things going on. She's going to tell us all about her fertility journey with her fiance, who you might know as Damon Dash, who is best known as co-founding Rockefeller Records, but he has so many other things going on as well. And today she is going to tell us all about their journey to baby Dusko. And sweet baby Dusko just turned one, so she's going to tell us all of it. She is a self-proclaimed open book, and it was so great to talk to her about all the details, going through IVF, feeling pressure from society and social media, you know, doing this in the public eye, going through her retrieval, and then she's also going to talk about a devastating loss that they had with their baby girl who came before Dusko. So... There's a lot of ups and downs, like so many of your stories, but she's just so real. She's so cool. And I'm so grateful that she wanted to share her story with all of you and with me. So without further ado, this is Raquel's infertility story. Raquel, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Good. I'm so happy to talk to you today. Thanks for doing this. One of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you is because I think, you know, you and I share one of the, the same goals, which is to empower women, talk about this stuff, make it more normal, you know, talk about hopeful mamas to be. And I just read the great article that our my friend Jay Palumbo wrote about you in Forbes about your mission to raise awareness about infertility. So I love that. So tell me how it all all started for you. I know you struggled for many years before you had your son. Where did your infertility journey actually begin? Well, it started, you know, probably a year off after I, you know, just started trying, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm the old school way. Right. You know? Yes. And you know, nothing was happening. So it was, I was like, okay, you know, I, I wasn't kind of stressing it out, but I, in the back of my mind, it was kind of the clock was ticking. And for me, I was like, well, my mom had me at 31, I think. So I was always in my mind. I was like, 
that was a good time. I, that's when I wanted to kind of start having babies. So I was like 29, I believe. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm at the age in my life where I would like to have a baby. I've done, I focused on myself for a long time. So now this is where, this is where I want to do. So 29 comes around, you know, we start trying and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. You know, after about a year, uh, we were in LA and I was like, you know, I asked one of my friends, I was like, you know, who's your OB? I want to go see a doctor. I've been trying and I haven't happened, hasn't happened. Let's right. go to a doctor. And then you have the initial set consultation where, you know, she tells you, let's try this and, you know, get like, you know, pee and every day in this cup to track your you know, your hormones to right. see which, if you have hormone to where you're ovulating. And then that's the night you do the dirty. So, right. <laughs> we did that. Yeah. And, um, you know, nothing happened. So I did that a couple, for a couple months, nothing happened. Yeah. Then I think it was like about six months into it. Can I ask you, how were you feeling like emotionally? Was that hard on you? Because I mean, I know when I was going through it, I just read something I had written recently and it was like, when you want to have a baby and you can't, it, it's the saddest thing. Like I was so sad. I think it started building up more as I got older and old as I started, like the first two years, I was just kind of like, you know, just must not be meant to be like, I'm just not at the right time in my life. I kind of made excuses for it. I didn't really get down on it. But I was mentally prepared to have a baby if I did have one. I had never had like anything where my period was late in my life or anything before that. So, or I had never, um, some of my friends had had miscarriages or certain things like that when they were younger, just like, you know, accidents or certain things like that. I've never been through that moment. So those things started to kind of add up but I would just kind of put those in my back of my mind. And I was like, you know, I never had like an alarm. I've never had this feeling. I've never had the feeling of actually being pregnant. So I was right. like, okay, well, that's interesting. Um, and then, so another, a year passed, I go back in. And so we try, uh, she was like, well, you know, we can try some other things, but maybe it's time, you know, me start thinking about some infertility treatments. And I was like, well, let me try some more holistic stuff. Cause I'm very, I try, I changed my diet. Okay. Um, I went vegan. You I, did. I did. Mm-hmm. I went vegan. I started doing acupuncture, okay. um, like fertility acupuncture, both myself and my partner, we did it together. Right. So um, I should say your fiance, Damon dash, dash. Um, did he, he started to go through kind of lifestyle changes too. Yes. Yeah. We both, um, Damon's diabetic, but he already had, he already has four children. So mm-hmm. in my mind, I was like, I know it's, and that's not him because right. he's been making, he's got beautiful children. So right. Something's going on with me. Okay. And you know, I had polyps in my uterus. So I had okay. like what they called like a scraping mm-hmm. to kind of the area to help. Um, Cause sometimes Sometimes that's all it needs. The 
embryo is just not finding its proper home. Right, so right. That, they want to make sure the uterus is as compatible to like implantation and growing right. a healthy baby as possible. Right. So we did that and, you know, still nothing happened. We're going through acupuncture. We're doing a lots of different things and uh, nothing, still nothing. Then we have, so that lasted about six months. I did that weekly, um, sometimes twice a week. Um, I would do different types of massages. I do like, um, you know, I would do teas, tinctures, all sorts of things. Oh my gosh. I did all that stuff too, Raquel. I was so, I was like, give me all the potions, all the like lotions, all the like exercises. Like I was trying everything. I would have done anything. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, your womb exercises, stuff to pelvic floor exercises, everything that you can do to try and do it. And and then I'm starting, you know, now I'm over 30, I'm getting close to 31. And this is in my mind, my mom's already had me at the point that I'm, so I'm like, okay, well now I'm getting older. So then my doctor's like, okay, well, we're going to try, um, you know, let's go see if your tubes, if there's anything blocking your tubes. So we get the ink test, mm-hmm. very painful, mm, not, yep. prepared not prepared. Then we went on and I was fine on that one. Then we did, um, what's it called? Clomid. Okay. Did three rounds of Clomid. Nothing happened with IUI um, or just like not naturally, just naturally like medicated cycles. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was a very interesting drug. I always say I felt like I could feel my ovulation. I like it was like a burst. And there oh is a gosh. clinical term for this, but um, yes. Then, then that didn't happen, and my doctor was like, "Okay, so now I want you to go see an infertility specialist." And one of my friends at the time, uh, he he was like, "Oh, you should go to SCRC, which is Southern California Reproductive Center." Yeah, and I picked what looked like friendliest face on the internet and Dr. Carolyn Alexander. And I set up a meeting with her and we started my infertility journey and we started with IUIs and I did Mm -hmm. three rounds of IUIs unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you know anything about IUIs before you did them? Cause I did a couple too, and I had never even heard of it. I was like, what is this? What? Like I'd never heard of it. Yeah. I say, I say they pretty much are sticking sperm with this Turkey baster right next year. Totally. It's yeah. And it was just a fun, funny experience, you know, cause Damon has to go in a different room and right. bring that. And then it's like, right. You know, it's very, totally. and then they test the cells and they test the sperm count and, you know, Damon's like getting high fives. We've got high sperm count. We're doing good. So it's, everything's looking good, cheering and then nothing. Yeah. So I remember my husband was like, they have the worst magazines in there. Like, <laughs> oh, oh no, the room is set up. I went in the room with him and it's like, you know, got lots of apps in there, all the porn apps, all the magazines. Well, the funniest thing is that they give you like the little cup and then they give you like a, like what looks like, um, a, like a, a doggy pee mat. So it's like, they're like, please put this on the chair. On the chair. Oh, right. Oh God. Oh my, oh my goodness. But so yeah, bizarre. Nice little room set up in there. Right. But yes, three rounds unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, then she had the conversation, you know, our next step is let's go to IVF. Right. And, you know, I'm in each round. So how time consuming this whole process is, is 
Because each time you want to do IUIs, you have to track your cycle and you go on that one. So it's like, okay, now you walk in and you might be like in the middle of your cycle. So the doctor's like, okay, we're going to wait till next month because mm-hmm. it's all tracked on. So, so there's a whole month that's you're waiting, you're waiting for this month mm-hmm. and then follow that month. And then that's when you do the injections and whatnot. So that's two months. So you, you miss that month that doesn't work. You have to now you're, you have to wait another month and then you start again. So all of a sudden you're, you're six months in and you're just on your second IUI cycle. And that's if you're going back to back. And I did not go back to back like that. Right. I would, I would stop and try and do, you know, acupuncture more or try and do like go back to cleanse, do teas and stuff. Cause you're injecting every day. Your stomach's getting bruised. Right. It's, it's hard. It's, yeah. Um, and can it's I ask hard. you too, like, was it, were your friends, you know, getting pregnant around you? Cause I know that's one of the hard yes. aspects of this is like seeing people like, Oh, I just looked at my husband and got knocked up. And you're like, Ugh. the ones where they're like, I, I tried for the first time and I got pregnant is, is the hardest to hear. Yeah. Because you're just like, that is like, you like literally should go play the lottery because right. the odds of that happening, it doesn't, <laughs> it's not real. Right. It's a, it's a Disney story. It's a Disney story. So, um, right. But it's really interesting. You know, I, I would have, and for me, I was on a later end of a lot of my friends. A lot of my friends got pregnant and are on their third, fourth child where I'm first just starting. Mm -hmm. So that, that was kind of, that's what's hard is like the mother's day that comes around and you're trying And even me, I had, um, you know, Damon already had his kid, had four children. So this was all extra, you know, he's just doing this for me, for me to feel like a woman because he's had four children Mm -hmm. and he has four beautiful kids. And me, I just want to have my own on these days, you know, on Mother's Day, they're their mom, they're it's. And which they should be. And so it's like, it's, it's hard. And it's to see knowing that you've been struggling and that you've been trying and then, and especially so, okay. So anyways, we go back to my journey, we go back and we have the conversation. And meanwhile, I'm doing a lot of this on television. So I was on growing up hip hop and I Mm -hmm. started um, doing a lot of this on TV. So a lot of this is on reruns is on right. everywhere. Yeah. People I remember. Did you so, have any reservations at the time of what you wanted to go public with or what you wanted to share? Or was it always like, I'm just going to be an open book. I'm just an open book. My husband, okay. he's Damon's an open book. So it's just like, that's what it is. Like mm-hmm. everybody's going to know regardless. So it's either right. they find out through somebody else or they're going to find out through me and I right. can tell them my story. Oh, okay. So now we're at the conversations of IVF. Now I have to go and do the egg retrieval. Egg retrieval was the craziest hormonal experience, I think, out of anything. How so? uh, I just think that's when I really felt my hormones being nuts. Like, like I felt like bloated. I felt really uh, almost mentally like I knew that I was like high on on Mm -hmm. different hormones that were just running through my body. Yeah. Um, Through the pregnancy, I didn't feel like that or anything, but the egg retrieval was intense for me. Okay. So um, do you remember like the process and the numbers and all that stuff when you did the retrieval? Like how did it go? How many eggs? Yeah, I, and all um, that? 
So I had, I did, I do. I got 14 eggs removed. Uh, 13 were viable wow. from those 13. Yeah. From those 13, um, seven, I believe turned into blastocysts from those seven, only five were accepted to genetic testing mm-hmm. from those five. I got two, a quality, a boy and a girl. Okay. Damon Isn't it crazy how the numbers like drop so dramatically? Yeah. Go down each time from, so Damon and I at first were like, fuck it. We're going to just do twins. Let's we've been trying. Let's just go. Like we're going to knock it all out. And then my doctor was like, well, you know, I don't want them fighting for space because you haven't, we haven't done this. I don't know what your, um, what it's like inside and how the eggs are implanting. I really want to try and have one have the best, you know, the best opportunity possible. Mm -hmm. So then we had to make the choice. Then I was, cause I was like, dang it. Right. I had to pick between a boy and a girl. Yes. How do you decide? How did you go? How did you guys decide? What was that conversation like? That conversation was hard. We did it in the doctor's office the day before we implanted I forgot to mention that I did a mock cycle um, because I I didn't know what was wrong with me, why the egg wasn't implanting. So I did what we call the sticky test. Damon and I call it the sticky test, but I think it's called an HSG. And um, they test the lining. So they go in and you're prompted like you're about to get the egg implanted. And they go in and they actually take a little piece of flesh from your uterus and they send it goes on vacation to Spain and they test it there and they tell you what your hormones are like. So because I did this, the doctors actually knew that they weren't giving me the right progesterone levels. Mm -hmm. So I had a much higher chance of the baby, the egg stick implanting because I did this test. So I had the test and it's a really cool process because all the doctors get together and they all look at the levels and they give you your own little cocktail specifically for you. That's so cool. So the next, Isn't science yeah. cool? Oh my God. Yeah. It's really, it's really amazing. So this time now it's the day before and uh, we decided on a girl. And so the next day we went in and, you know, it's, it's really cool situation. You see them on the big screen taking the little embryo out and putting it in like a little tube and then they come out the door and then it goes in, you lay and you rest for a day Mm -hmm. and you wait. That's Mm -hmm. the waiting period. Oh my God. That's uh, so hard. What was your clinic? How many days did you have to wait? It's like, you know, somewhere between eight, eight days, two weeks, depends on your clinic. I think it was 10 days for me. And went in and got a blood test and she recommended the first you know, that I didn't do at home tests just because you could have a false negative or, um, and you don't want, she doesn't want to get you discouraged. So yeah. I waited 10 days and then I got that phone call and we had a positive pregnancy. I had hormones through the roof. Yeah. I, How did that feel to get that call? I, I could not believe it. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I just, I think I knew because I felt super tired for the first couple, a couple days. And I had been like doing all of this meditation, um, just laying down, imagining all I would do is imagining like 
a ball going into clouds and just sticking there. That's all it would so do cool. all day, all day, all day. Did you guys go away anywhere or like, were you home during the wait? I was home. Okay. And just, I would just meditate on that image all day long. And, um, we finally got that positive pregnancy and it was amazing. And, um, it was great. I had a beautiful, I had a beautiful pregnancy. Um, every, you know, I loved being pregnant. It, and then, you know, about seven months and she was not developing right. Um, yeah. How did they discover that? And I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, it's no, heart, absolutely heartbreaking. Ultrasounds. ultrasounds yeah. And, so you um, just, everything was moving along swimmingly and then you went in one day well, and we had, it we wasn't? Had some, it, you know, there were some, some tests and they were like, you know, it, some things look different, but let's, you know, she should be okay. And then I went into my OB and she was like, this is not, this is not looking right. Cause my, my one doctor, the one that does the scans, he was like, you know, your placenta is just not looking normal. You know, just, you know, you do IVF, you know, a lot of IVF placentas are not, you know, normal. I don't, it's just a thing with IVF for some reason. They always look, always look good. Um, It's just something about the freezing or they don't know what it is, but anyways, they were like, Oh, well, she's not getting, she's not getting what she needed. She's not getting what she needed. Maybe, but let's keep walking. Cause her certain things are okay. And then it just, it didn't, it wasn't happening properly and she couldn't, she wasn't surviving. So, so sorry. Um, no, it's, and, um, Damon and I, we, you know, everything happened and we went to, we went to Hawaii because I had to get out of the house. I had, even though it was hard, I didn't want to leave, but mm-hmm. it was the best thing for me to leave that com- that environment and just kind of yeah. we left for two weeks and then came back and we had a plan and he was really good about taking away everything that was like triggering. Mm-hmm. Um, like so what? A, you know, taking away all the bait. I had a baby shower on television. For this baby. Right. Yeah. I had gifts all over the house. I had I had everything. Like he had songs about her. Yeah. You know, he was uh so changing those songs, taking away all those presents, putting those things away. And he even took my phone away. I didn't want to see my cell phone because I had like apps on my phone. All the apps, yes, exactly. Apps, like coming up, like this week, she's the, right, the size of a yeah. So like Um, reminders to watch this video and like all these emails coming in, deleted all those. He was great about taking those things away because just those little things can just throw you back. So triggering. Absolutely. So how did you guys grieve during that time? Like, how did you, I mean, I know grief is not linear, right? It's sometimes it just surprises you and it's an ongoing process. And yeah. It's, uh, we went to Hawaii, we eliminated triggers. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we just, and we mentally figured out, we, we started preparing to get pregnant again. So I had another viable, uh, embryo Mm -hmm. and when everything happened, we talked to my doctor and we said, you know, how's this, when's the soonest we could put the next embryo in, because this is the only way she's going to move forward is to be pregnant again. So we had a plan and we stuck to that plan. And oddly enough, we did do everything we could. And um, I implanted a week before COVID shut down. If I had a waited 
and been like, no, I need to get more embryos. I need to do more. If I would have waited, I would have been shut down from this and mentally going through COVID without that. And that was a saving grace for me. It was the best thing for me was to be pregnant during COVID. I didn't have to excuse. Oh, I don't have to see anybody. Exactly. Exactly. I, um, and to just be able to bake and cook and right and hunker down and like nest and all that stuff. Yeah. It was, it was great. Um, so put the embryo in and COVID happened the next week, literally a week after. And, um, luckily it got, I, at this one, my friend had done implantation like three weeks earlier and she did an at-home test. And so she came over like five days in. she's like, let's just do it. Do it. So uh, I was so nervous, but I did it and it came back positive. And it was, it was that was crazy. But um did you do more than one? Like some of the yeah, yeah of course. Like a whole row. Yeah, of the them. first one, it was like it was so faint, but it was definitely there. Cause we were like, is this positive? But he was like, if you weren't trying to get pregnant and you saw just that super faint line, you would be, you would be you would be nervous. Like if you were pregnant, I was, we could, we couldn't believe it. So we were just like, is that really a second line? Is that really? And then the next day I got darker and darker as the days went on. And gosh, um, I just called my doctor and she's like, yeah, if it's coming up, we'll, you can come in, but I'm pretty sure you're pregnant. And um, did you feel, how did you feel compared to the first pregnancy? Did you have the same kind of really tired and like same symptoms similar, or was it different? Similar. Yeah, I was, I was definitely tired. This pregnancy, I, it was a little bit different. I had like a um, thyroid thing on the first pregnancy, whereas like I had to take a thyroid medicine, but this one, I didn't have any of those. Oh, and then the first pregnancy I had like pregnancy arthritis. I'm still oh. dealing with some of it, but like my, my whole hand like locked up, like I couldn't move my arm. Oof. I got crazy arthritis from it. And, you know, the doctors was just like crazy things happen when you're pregnant. You don't. Yeah. Even... Right. But this one was super smooth. You know, it was just nice being pregnant in the summer and just laying out by the pool and yeah, feeling a woman. But it was yeah. um, going back to the Mother's Day thing. So after I had lost the baby, there was a Mother's Day after that. That Mother's Day was hard. That mm-hmm. was the hard mother's day for me is like losing the baby and everything. And my friend just posted up a pic, a thing yesterday and she's, she finally had her baby. And, but she was like, you know, it's the hardest thing for me is when everybody's asking, Oh, is this your first? Right. And it's not, it's not your first. It's for her. She's like, actually, this is my sixth, you know, this is my sixth pregnancy. I had five other babies before this. Wow. So this yeah. is the first live baby that I have, you know, yeah. this is the baby that survived outside of the womb. Right. Um, but this is, uh, this is not my first. And for me, you know, you, to make it easy or have a conversation with people, you'll be like, yes, you know, right. this is my first. Right. But I know exactly what you mean in your heart. You're like, no. And I don't want to discredit all those. Right. And then you feel kind of, did you feel a little guilty too sometimes? Like I feel yeah, like there's so many. Cause you want to explain it, but again, you don't want to have to go through, you don't want to have to go through that conversation, but in your heart, you're like, am I just, I'm not giving them the credit that they deserve. And you know, 
but I don't want to sit there and have this conversation with this right. person. That's not what they're asking to have. Like, exactly. You're like, cause I'm in the grocery store line and we don't need to get into all this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, that I thought I, I saw her post this up yesterday and I was like, yeah, you're so right. Because it is, it is hard. And so many women go through this and so many of us are like, yeah, it's my first, but how many of you, how many times is it really our first? There's right. so, it really, for most of us, it's not. Yeah. And I was thinking about that today too, because, um, when I had my first miscarriage, it was Thanksgiving weekend in mm-hmm. 2012. And I hadn't thought about that in a, in a while, but I mm-hmm. really got emotional. Cause I was like, God, I would have an eight-year-old right now. You know, yeah. my 12-year-old was, was still here, obviously. And, but I was like, I started, you know, you start to think like what could have been. And then you right. have these markers. You see people that were maybe pregnant at the same time and they did have a healthy baby. And then you're like, oh, my kid would have been that age. Like, it's really, do you get that too? Do you have those feelings too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I have, I know, or like when I was trying or when, um, I just also know other people's journeys too. Like, people that were, I would look up to that were getting pregnant or lost a baby in certain things. And then the other ones that were pregnant around that time and that their baby, you know, survived. And mm-hmm. it's just, I feel for, I feel for my friends that are still struggling to this day, um, trying to have a baby. It's one of the toughest journeys because mentally, no matter how many people tell you mentally in your mind, you're like, I'm supposed to be able to do this naturally. And I'm supposed to be able with, I'm supposed to, because I, I'm supposed to be, I'm a woman. And this is what I was put on this planet to do is to make other babies. So to feel like you're broken, to feel like something inside of you is like, just not normal is very hard to deal with. And in, you know, so there's social media out there. There's so much stuff out there. That's just pushing it all into your face over and over and over again. Totally. That it's hard. And then I also, I feel for women as it's like a lot of women that go through even IVF might be going through this alone and have done so much to have this baby. And all of a sudden we have the baby and there's baby blues and there's um, postpartum mm-hmm. things that you can't anticipate things that you can't go. And if you're going through these things alone, it is so hard. And I, I'm blessed that, um, I have a partner that was with me to help me through all these yeah. times because all these Instagram stories and all these beautiful Instagram reels and TikToks they don't show you how hard it is right in the very beginning and how much your life is changing and what, what's right. happening. Like, like this morning, I'm, we're trying to do potty training, right? Mm-hmm. But he's going through um, teething and he's going, he's getting bigger. And now he's walking and talking. And so he stood up from the potty. Like he's like done, like, or he didn't go at all. And he, mm-hmm. he's a little aggravated because I know he has teeth coming in or something, something's going on because he's a toddler. Stands up and walks up and he's like playing with something poop everywhere oh god (laughs) then then he's like oh what's this touching it and it's just touching everything 
everywhere. Then I have to grab him. I have to hold him. So then we have to go into the shower. But meanwhile, there's a huge, you know, to go through something like this. It's funny. I, yeah. I, I'm laughing about it now, but like, it's no in the moment you're like, Oh my, oh my God. God. Like, well, also too. And again, I'm wondering if you had the same feeling where after you have a loss and then you have a pregnancy, I feel like not only is the pregnancy sometimes filled with anxiety because you have, you know, PTSD of whatever trauma you went through leading up to that point. But then also like, so I have a group called Fertility Rally, which is a membership com- community for anybody all over the world mm-hmm. who's going through this and you can come and be feel supported and we have support groups and all this stuff. But a lot of our Fertility Rally members, you know, who've had babies now are, are like, I feel guilty when I'm not enjoying every single moment of motherhood because I tried so hard for this. So I, I don't know if you've experienced that at all, where there's like conflicting feelings where like, sometimes you get pissed at your kid for waking you up in the middle of the night or, you know, like, but, but then if it's an IVF baby, you're like, oh, but I shouldn't feel that way. Cause I wanted this so badly. Like thanks so much for this baby. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Did you, do you have that at all? Cause no, yeah, I know exactly what you're, what yeah. You know, or it's like, I'm not spending enough time with the, the baby during yeah. the day work and I have to do these right. things. And I'm missing out on certain moments. Like he's not going to be this ever, this moment ever right. this small. It's so again. hard every day. Like, is he learning that from me or other people? So it's, yeah, it's definitely hard. And the mom, you know, Damon and I always talk about it all the time of how much we've architected this baby Dusko. Like we, every, every moment we try and spend with him. And, you know, I wrote a book while he was, I was pregnant and having that book come out before his first birthday and the coloring book and being able to like, I was like, know what I wanted been planning this for seven years. Like I've been planning, being able to get him certain things. And, you know, there's a lot of, I went through two pregnancies. I, I knew what I wanted when he came out and it's like, you know, some, some moms are like, how did you know to do that? Well, I've been, been planning everything for seven years now. So yeah. granted I have, I feel like I have some sort of upper hand in some things, but like rather than some moms that are thrown into this and do the best they can in every moment. And it's just, it's it, every mom's journey is so different. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, 100%. I like, I, I find it interesting when moms are like new moms are like, I'm going to do like, my pregnancy is going to be this. And I just, in my mind, I'm like, it's never going to be this. So Good luck. I'm here for you to give you some support, but if it goes exactly perfect, you are incredible because it's never going to go perfect. It's always going to be, there's always going to be something that's like a challenge. Absolutely. I feel like that's, that's what gives, that's what makes us women. That's what makes us uh, our superpower because we can, I feel like that's the challenge for the, to see if you're mom, mom enough to, are you able to get through this challenge? Because there's going to be a lot more. Exactly. So, exactly. Well, before we wrap up, let's go. Can we go back to your story a little bit? Cause all right. So you're pregnant. It's summer. You're laying out. Tell me about how, when baby Desco was born, like what was, what was that moment like? And how was the delivery and everything? Delivery was, um, so I had to get induced. I was looking at the Hollywood sign, uh, big windows. It was, it was gorgeous. Um, I did, uh, I did get, uh, what do they call it? The epidural epidural. Yeah. 
that was one of the doom was like, listen, if we're going to have a baby, I need you to get an epidural because I'm not going through getting yelled at during the whole pregnancy. So (laughs) I love it. Fair, fair. I was down. I already went through so much medication to have this baby that I'm not, it's all going to work right now. So we did epidural. Um, I was in labor for about 14 hours, 12 of which were just uh, waiting um, for the dilation and two of pushing. And finally, well, the doctor, I feel like the last 20 minutes, the doctor was like, you've been pushing for a long time. It might be time to talk about the vacuum. Okay. I was like, I was like well, well, what are the ramifications yeah. of the vacuum? Uh, his skull could separate from the brain. And I was like, okay, Ooh. next push. He was out. One more, one just last question. Tell me you know, for people who might be listening to this, who are, you know, in the thick of it, not feeling hopeful, you're not sure what's going to happen. Do you have anything that you might want to say to them? Just words of encouragement or something that you learned that you didn't know before that, you know, now that you wish you knew then anything like like that. If you, to be open about your story and to talk to other women about it. Okay. Um, whatever it would take, whether it's taking surrogate where whatever, Right. obstacle was, I was willing to figure it out. Yeah. Um, And that, and just being open about it and talking to other women about it, I was able to learn a lot of different things, try different methods, try different, you know, I learned about types of acupuncture. I learned about different acupuncture specialists or, you know, in the end, it all helped because I was able to get baby Dusko or, you know, the acupuncture helped with my egg retrieval or certain things like that. You never, I never know what played a part, but right. I feel like eating healthy and doing these things, taking certain vitamins, taking tinctures, you know, maybe they help the proper egg be released. Sure. So that led up to where I am today. So I, yeah. never, I, I don't want to discourage anybody's, anybody's path that they're going on because whatever feels right to them that's where you get to use your motherly instinct and yeah, what it is. But I do feel like being open helps you learn more about yeah. yourself when you don't feel so alone. And totally. I, I like talking about because so many women that I talk to, they do share their journey with me once they read about mine or talk yeah. or hear about mine. Absolutely. I haven't met too many women that have just been like, Oh yeah, it, they're a rarity. I mean, they are just a rarity when someone was like, yeah, I just tried and I got pregnant and you are a miracle. So <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. So, yes, but most women out there are struggling to get pregnant or struggling. At least someone, you know, is struggling to get pregnant right now and to have tolerance and to just talk to them about it, I think makes them feel really good. right, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Raquel for sharing all of those details and for just being such an outspoken advocate, you know, for people going through infertility and all their family building journeys. You know, it's people in the public eye who are talking about this that really help us take it to the next level and help 
blast these stigmas and get rid of all these taboos. I love her mission and she's just so cool. I'm so grateful. Like I said, definitely check out their TV show, which is called Health is Wealth. And also she's written a children's book and there's a coloring book too. It's called Dusko Goes to Space and it is so cute. So if you're not already following her on Instagram, do that. And I just want to thank you guys for listening and thank you for passing this around to all of your friends. Thank you for giving it ratings and reviews. You guys are truly the best listeners and your weekly notes and DMs just make this all the worthwhile. So thanks again. Love you all. Talk to you next time.